Welcome everybody to another episode of Found Purpose. I'm your host, Cortland Fields. Let's get into it. I'm here with my anonymous guest. We're going to call her Monique. Let's get into it. So, Monique, I have been, I know somewhat of your story. And I want to thank you for joining us to tell us about your story because I heard of it, but I never knew how much it affected people until I started doing the research on it myself. And I started understanding that a lot of females, surprisingly, a lot of females go through this. And what we're talking about audience members is cutting. And I did not know how serious it was until I started doing the research. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It started when you were 16? Right. Around the time I first started, it was more so as an outlet for me, basically a coping mechanism. Because when I would get overwhelmed or anything, I just pull out a knife and just start cutting because it relieved the pain at the moment. Like, where would you cut? Mainly on my wrists. Um, it started out on my wrists, and like over time, it just was on my wrists in different spots, basically all the way up into my elbow. So, what at the age of 16, I can imagine and feeling like you have the weight of the world on your shoulder because all teenagers feel like that because it's, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we feel like we have this pressure of having to be something or whatever right. that thing is to you. What was going on that you felt at the age of 16 that was so overwhelming for you? Well, for one, I, around the same age, I started working. So there was the stress of that, new responsibilities, and then on top of that, just feeling like my voice wasn't being heard. Well, my feelings really didn't matter. Your voice not being heard, is that to a particular, is that to his family or overall, like, it started with mainly family and also with friends as well, because at that time I, I didn't speak to much, most of my family mm -hmm. who were around. And it's like, couldn't talk to them too much because it'll be like, oh, you're young, don't worry, it gets better. It's like, well, okay, but I want to talk about the now, not when it gets better. So, right. and it was kind of the same way with friends, like, oh, you shouldn't be thinking like that. And I'm like, I know this but I am, so. Can you, without mentioning any names or trying to, or going too much in detail, can you elaborate on one of the issues that you were not being heard? Yeah, so around the time I had started working and trying to juggle the work life and being a full-time student, I having new responsibilities because I couldn't have my own phone unless I paid the bill on it. Mm -hmm. So there was that and is just trying to constantly do good in school while also doing good at work, both in a timely manner. Okay. I want to dig a little deeper because I want to get you know the root of it. Because it seems like typical teenage problem issues that all teenagers, well, back in my day, I'm from Generation X, so it's like we had beepers. So <laughs> we have put a quarter in to make a phone call. Was there other, it seemed like it could be, was there more? Yes, actually. Okay, around that time, I also started dating this guy, my first official relationship, mm -hmm. and also didn't know how to present it to my parents because it was one of those, you're too young to have a boyfriend, and I'm like, okay, but I have these feelings, so what do I do with those? Can't just 
cast them aside and pretend they don't exist because that's how things get worse. So it was also dealing with that. And I had strict parents growing up. So it was like, whereas the boyfriend didn't. So he would want to see me and he would want to spend time with me, but I have to tell him like, I can't do that. That age, I didn't even know how to present having a boyfriend to my parents. So it was pretty difficult with that. So- Would you say that was a big part of the issue? Yes, because I wanted to communicate that but I was too scared to. I didn't know how to. It was one of those things to where I felt like if I said it and the reception of it wasn't like, oh, okay, that's cool, then it'll end up badly. Because growing up, my biggest fear was being told no. Because no was usually led or followed with anger. Mm -hmm. And I don't like people being upset with me, especially if it's just over a question or feeling or an opinion. And then it gets followed by with a hard no and then anger and, or whooping or getting screamed at for just the question. Mm. So at that time, it was kind of hard because I did want to have a boyfriend and I did really like the guy. What was I, it about this guy that made you like him so much? Well, at that time, I really didn't pay too much attention to guys, really, because I would have a crush and that would just be it. But me and him, we talked often, and we had a lot of things in common. And being a young, impressionable 16-year-old, it was like, okay, yeah, I haven't had this before. And oh, guy. Same age. We're literally just six months apart in age. So we had a lot in common, except we were both new to the area. Well, not too new, but new enough to the area, because we both moved from different places and everything. And I don't know, we ended up talking a lot and got very used to being around each other because we had a class together before, but we never really just spoke. Mm -hmm. So speaking, it was like, okay, we actually do got a lot of comment. You are pretty cool. And it's just feelings ended up getting involved because right. it hadn't really liked anybody in that sense mm -hmm. at all. That was all new for me. And I didn't want to let it go, basically. So is it safe to say that this person heard you when nobody else was hearing you? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have a boyfriend, mm -hmm. which what it sounds like is you felt like he was in love. Right. Right. At the time. Probably not now. I don't know how you feel now, but when you have a boyfriend, it's like this is something and you and your body start, your hormones start getting into these different feelings. You're like, wow, why am I feeling like this? Why is this person making me feel this way? And you start thinking about this person a lot and then you're being rejected because you really want to see this person. And then there's the conflict between parents, your personal life and your responsibility. And how do you juggle all those feelings and emotions together? How do you balance it out? Is that right. correct? It was like balancing it out. And it felt like I was basically on my own with balancing it out because yes, he listened and he heard. There were also issues that he didn't have to face. Which was? In order to be able to have my own money or even get a phone or anything, I had to work for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas he just got, you no, know, and I had strict parents, whereas he did. So it's like, these are issues that I can explain to him, but he wouldn't fully understand Although he did listen, he wouldn't fully understand because he'd never been in that type of position. 
So it sounds like you have a, a teenage boyfriend who with different backgrounds, as far as like being raised, where he was allotted to have certain money and privileges to have, whereas your parents are saying, no, anything you want, you have to work for. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much how people start selling drugs too. (laughs) Yeah, so to be honest, so yeah. I was getting caught with that because it's like everything I did, even growing up where I thought it was minor, got blown way out of proportion. It up being something bigger than what I felt it was. Right. What was the first time you started cutting? Can you remember that day? I do actually. Can you speak about that? The first time I started cutting was I was sitting in my room in my floor crying hysterically and why was you crying? I was overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed with emotions that I did not know how to handle or control. So I get overwhelmed. That's the part I want viewers to understand. So I want to try to speak through that so the listeners can know, like, this is real. So can you explain, like, but like I said, you don't have to go in detail. Was it love? Was it uh, sex? Was it money? Was it abuse? Like, what type of emotion came that made you so overwhelmed? Well, by that time, me and the guy had already took each other's virginity. That was a new feeling. So congratulations, I guess. It was fine, but it also wasn't fine because it was like, okay, now I got to keep this a secret. Right, okay. Overwhelming of feelings because there was love. Then there was, okay, I'm stressed out because I want to express my love, but I can't talk about Mm -hmm. my love. And then it's like, I could talk about work, but work is stressful because able to work within these hours. At the time when I first started working, I didn't have a car. I had to depend on the to and froms. If my parents were late getting off of work, I was late getting into work. And it's like the stress of having to meet those demands. Also, I being in love, but I couldn't pretty much express that. And then when working, if I did get overwhelmed or stressed with work, and I told my parents that I was stressed out, it was, okay, well, I am too, so what? So it was like all of these feelings and all of these emotions that I couldn't express to anyone because it was like I was back into a corner to deal with them myself. And it got overwhelming to where I just couldn't control it anymore. And I just, once I get overwhelmed, I cry uncontrollably. Because mm-hmm. all emotions are basically being bottled up like a soda and that you're constantly shaking. And eventually the pressure gets too much to where it just bursts. So when it bursts for me, I cry a lot. And it's almost like a numbing feeling because it's like, what else can I do now? So I got overwhelmed and I was in my floor. I couldn't really see too much because the tears would not stop. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that I was feeling overwhelmed and I couldn't stop crying. So uh, what I thought would be a quick way for me to relieve the pain internally was pain external. The external pain distracted from the internal pain. When I started cutting, it was like, a, okay, yeah, I'm hurting this. Why is my arm stinging? So my brain redirected that pain that was coming from inside to the pain that was focused it on the pain that was outside. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a weird question, okay? Because I don't know. What made you think of that type of scenario to where, okay, was you just had something in your hand and you just started like messing with your wrist or... Once I get to crying hysterically like that, 
like I don't know what to do with my hands a lot so at that time it was more so me just sitting on the floor scratching and I've always had sharp nails so mm. like the, I noticed the harder I scratched the more it calmed me down so I said instead of using my nails I could just use my knife got it now I'm actually visualizing and I can see the comparison of because I see the rubbing and everything else and it's like okay I get it yeah I get the situation yeah I understand how it relates to what you're saying okay and so from that point you just kept on right I'll do it just as much as I need until I calm down once I calm down and then of course I stop I look at it and I take it in and I'm like okay I did this and I'm like I did this to calm myself down different from a person wanting to commit suicide at that stage where I was it wasn't a suicidal thought okay ready to end my life it was just okay this pain is keeping me calm so at that stage in my life it was not a suicidal thing it was just a release right it was a release as I got older I did stop cutting because it was no longer a release I stopped cutting before the simple fact that it no longer would have felt like a release for me because I, at that point I did started looking at things suicidal and mm. I stopped doing that because I knew if I did go down that route I would end up doing it. So that's what made me stop cutting, honestly. When did it become an awareness? Like did your parents ever find out? How did it become aware? It became an awareness because like once I got overwhelmed with my emotions I would cut until I calmed down. But one day I got too overwhelmed and I just kept cutting. I cut on my wrist as much as I could and like I filled up my wrist with cuts and it wasn't enough. So I started cutting on my thigh and it still felt like it wasn't enough. And I was like, that's too many. Once I did finally calm down, I'm like, that's too many and I need to reach out for help. You reached out for help or? Mm -hmm. So your parents had no idea Nobody had no idea that you were going through this. Not my parents, because I would cover my arms with little armbands. Right, right. Because I had somewhat of a kind of emo style a little bit. Okay. Like a colorful <laughs> emo style, so I always warmers. So it was never really noticeable. It was just like a regular thing for me. Even when I didn't cut, I would wear my armor. So it was regular. It was natural. Did right. your boy know? Yes, he did. And he wanted me to reach out and talk to him whenever I did feel that way. But a lot of times I did try that, but it doesn't help when you're talking to someone and it's like the problem is not getting fixed by talking to you because you can't do anything to help. Mm. At the time, talking about it didn't really help too much because if I'm talking about it to the wrong person, then the issues that I'm having is not going to stop. If I'm talking to the person I love about the person I love, then... It's like a no-win situation. Right. It's just me talking to them, telling them what I'm feeling, but it's not going to stop what I'm feeling. So nothing was being corrected. Nothing was helping right. the situation at hand. So it was like, I could talk about this till I'm blue in the face, but nothing's going to change because this is what it is. Right. And from what I'm understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, as how long did this go on? The cutting for well over like a year. Was there something else after the cutting? Before reaching out for help, no. Okay, so over a year, you're bottled up with these emotions and you're trying to express yourself and you're trying to get help. And all this is because you felt rejected. 
right. and that you did not matter. Your self-worth was not being looked upon. It's right. like, no one is understanding what I'm going through. Yes, I know it get better, but how will it get better? Right. And no one's telling me how to, it's like, okay, I know it get better, but how do I make this easy? How do I get this to help myself? And it's like, you was not getting the answers you need. Right. That was difficult to try to face on my own. Mm. So it was pretty overwhelming so like when I did reach that point to where I'm like okay yeah I really need to look and reach out for help because like once I calmed down and I looked at my arm and it was covered in blood because I cut in and then I looked at my leg and it was also covered in blood and I'm like I need to say something about this before it gets out of hand and this so, is all in your room mm-hmm. I always did it in my room because the placement of my bed in the wall, it was kind of like, that was my go-to corner to where I felt I can cry. Mm. So, yeah, I was in my room and I was like, I need to say something about this. So I always had issues with verbally expressing my feelings or my emotions or what I was thinking to my parents. So in order to get it by to them, I will always have to write it out. So I wrote out a whole letter front and back explaining how I've been feeling, explaining that I've been cutting and it's getting worse and I just want them to listen. And I wrote it front and back in the bathroom before I went to school that morning because I knew parents would wake up and see it in the bathroom. So I left it in the bathroom and I went to school that morning thinking, okay, maybe everything will be okay. So I was in class and I got a call down to the guidance office and I went, well, to the special guidance office, the special guidance counselor who take care of manners when it comes to self-harm and everything. Went down to his office and he was like, oh, so how you doing? And I'm like, I'm fine. And then he was like, so can I see your wrist? And like, I already knew at that point where it was going. And then I saw on his computer where he had the letter pulled up. And he had printed it off front and back and everything. And my parent came up there and talking with them and it was asking me questions. Are you feeling suicidal or is it just self-harming? Like what's going on? And you know, I basically explained to them the same thing that I was saying in that letter, like how I've been feeling and everything. And he took a picture of my wrist and he counted how many cuts it was. He counted 21. But I went back and did my own counting, and it was actually 41 on my arm, and then I had 13 on my leg. And they didn't know about the ones on my leg, but that whole moment to me was a blur because it's like the whole time my parents like, I didn't know this was going on, and I don't know what to do and everything. And it was like, I just remember meeting with that guidance counselor, another guidance counselor, one of the assistant principals, and it was just all a blur to me. They was just talking about getting me help, getting me help, getting me help. Do I need to be in a facility? Do I need this? Do I need that? I remember them talking about different therapists I can go to and everything else. And most of that was a blur because I'm like, this is actually happening. Like, I just wanted to talk to the parent. Like, I just wanted them to hear me. I didn't want all of this to blow out of proportion and everybody get involved. I just want to be heard by the person that I wanted to matter to the most. So mm-hmm. it was difficult. And by the end of all that, they recommended a therapist for me to go to and my parent was like okay well we'll do that but as we were leaving so I thought maybe everything would be okay after all of that but as we were leaving my parent was upset was like I have to take off work for this bullshit Mm. and I was hoping they would have took your ass and I was just like what wow 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 
Yeah, and after that, it was just them being angry with me for feeling this way and then proceeded to get on the phone and was like, yeah, she's going around saying she's depressed. All this is is just a stunt for attention. Because if anything, if anybody should be depressed, it should be me. I'm the one that got to put a roof over her head and working two jobs, trying to keep food on her table and everything. So that right there, that's when my train went from self-harming to ease the pain to being suicidal. Because I'm mm -hmm. like, if me reaching out for help to my parents resulted in my parents telling me, like, it's all for attention, when I've been keeping it a secret from them for well over a year, not even showing, not even wanting it to show, then what's the point? Both of my parents weren't in the picture the whole time when I was growing up. Right. It was put all on my other parents. And so for that parent to tell me that, and at that point it had, through my childhood, that had been like the fourth time, I believe, of them mm -hmm. telling me essentially that they don't want me. In words, at well, least why, that's- why, why, wait, 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 Paul. I'm sorry, because this is a lot to hear and like, I need a break. It's like, wow, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can continue, go ahead. So after that, it changed my mindset to feel like if neither one of my parents don't want me, who does? So that's when I started thinking more of the suicidal thoughts. And I did go to therapy, but therapy didn't help because again, talking to somebody else about the problems when the problems are not here, wasn't helping me. If the issue that I was feeling at that time was my parents don't want me here, why would talking to some random stranger about what I'm going through with my parents so if my parents um... here with me to talk with them about what the situation? So it went from not being able to express yourself, not being heard, to not feeling wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Monique, I just want to say, I have two daughters. And I just want to say, I want to thank you for saying, being brave to mention this. It's, it's a lot. And I think sometimes as parents, we fail to realize how it was as a teenager and what we went through as a teenager and what those emotions was like. It does not excuse the behavior or what happened, but this is what Found Purpose is speaking to individuals like you who can articulate and now who has a voice because you're being heard and someone else that's out there that is feeling like this can now be heard. Or maybe some parent is listening to this podcast and understanding how their words can actually damage a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, because growing up, a lot of times I do something that I thought was no big deal or just a simple mistake got blown out of proportion. And I would get in trouble, yelled at, screamed at, whooped, everything. So it was like, and a lot of times, there's been times where I would get in trouble and the situation would go one way, and that's the way I explain what happened. But my parent would be like, that's a lie. That's too innocent. I was your age once, and I'm like, okay, but you're not me. Like, I don't do stuff like that. Because my first official boyfriend that I felt like was the one at 16, but I did have a boyfriend prior, but it wasn't out of me wanting a boyfriend. It was basically a peer pressure thing that, okay, yeah, now you're dating this guy. And I'm like, I really don't like this guy though. Because what it, what it was is at that time, I was going to my other parents' house every other weekend, but 
they were never home, so I would end up with my cousins. And it was a guy who thought I was pretty and wanted to date me, but instead of asking me himself, he got three of my cousins, two of their boyfriends, their boyfriend's little sister, and even a candy lady to ask me out. Yeah, it's sassy. And <laughs> I would tell all of them no, and then it's like, but why not? But this, but that, but this, but that. And I'm like, can you just leave me alone? Like, no. Well, no, because you saying no, and why are you saying no? So eventually I just said yes to get them out of my face. So it was like a, want you to leave me alone type of deal. And that was the only way they would leave me alone. So I ended up dating them or whatever. But after that, we stopped going over there as frequently. And we went over there every once in a while, but most of the time it was like either late at night or sometimes it would be during the day. But he was really not around as much. So I'm thankful for that because I didn't want to be around him. At that time, I didn't like telling people no because no has been, at that point, a bad thing for me. So I'm like, I don't want to tell people no and hurt their feelings because I know what it's like to say no, you know. And get the reaction. Right. Get angry at you and stuff like that. So you associated no, telling someone no as either being harassed, annoyed, or being angry or being disciplined. So every time you tell somebody no, it was like you get punished for it in a way. Right. I couldn't figure out how to break up with him even right after immediately saying yes to him because I was like how do I tell him no personal question mm-hmm. person. did you have sex with him no, oh, no. Okay. I did kiss him but that mm-hmm. was after much of running from him kind of like a because it was like my cousin was like oh well we finna go and because we always hanging out together she was like oh I think she's coming to get us and I was like okay and so then he was like, oh, you finna leave me? Yep, took off to the living room, and then he followed me to the living room. Like, yeah, you go get the bags. Uh, you sure you don't want to get the bag? No, I'm gonna let you get it, but it's our bag. No, you get it. Okay, ran to get the bag, and he following me, and I'm like, okay, back in the living room, back in the room. Again, this is like you feeling harassed in a way because it's like, what do you want? Right. Yeah, take a kiss and be done with it. Right, so it was like one of those, like, okay, kiss all right time to go only to find out we wasn't leaving so, oh wow <laughs> damn it no reason like it's like after that I was like oh yeah we're not leaving yet i'm like what that was the only thing we ever did because i genuinely did not want to be around him because i'm like i don't like you and you wanted to be my boyfriend for the simple fact that you thought i was pretty that's not how it works so we were friends on Facebook or whatever, and I posted a picture and was like, oh my God, so pretty. And like my family, they saw it and they was like, who is this? And at the time, I didn't even like the fact that he was my boyfriend. So I didn't even want to have to go through that explanation. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's my but I don't like him. Like, that sounds insane. Right. <laughs> They'll come back and be like, well, why is he a boyfriend if you... Exactly. So I was like, well, my cousin. But let me just pause right there for a minute because it's interesting how the mind works when anytime you told somebody no led to some type of disciplinary or argument to say the least. And now you have a family member saying, who is this person? And to you, you already know in your head that if I tell him this is my boyfriend, but I don't like him, that already sounds crazy. So you don't want to say that because it's like, you already know this sounds crazy but 
I'm still not going to say something. I'm just going to go with it. So it's just you adding more stress to your life. Mm-hmm. But the real realization of it all is that it all extended from you wanting to say no. Mm-hmm. And now they don't understand why your reasons are your reasons and why you do the things that you do because it gets to a source. Right. Like, oh, well, that's my cousin. So, oh, okay. Eventually, my parent went through our messages on Facebook and everything. You know, I came home from school and it was like, so you got a boyfriend? And I was like, oh, God, shit, we go. So I was like, yes, I do. You told us that was your cousin. I was like, I know, because I didn't want to tell you I had a boyfriend. And now you got to clean up this lie because right. of something. Right. And I was like, well, I didn't want to tell you I had a boyfriend because I didn't like him. So yeah, they was like, okay, well, if you don't like him, why is he your boyfriend? And it was like, well, it's because he asked me. And that was the simplest way I could put it, was because he asked me. Right. And then, like, so if he asked you to do other things, you would have done that too? No. Okay. I could pretty much, and I'm guessing the listeners also could pretty much know where it's going, how one thing leads to another thing. Where are you now as far as mentally and with the cutting and everything else? I know we spoke before and you told me, but just for so the listeners can understand where you are at now and what steps happened for you to get to where you're at today. As far as the cutting goes, I... I'm at a point now to where even if I do feel like once I get those overwhelming feelings, my arm will tingle. But the second I try to pick up anything sharp, the hand that I'm holding it in instantly gets weak because it's like, no, my body is rejecting that motion itself. You get a tingly sensation like in your arms or whatever? Some of the areas where I used to. Okay. How long has it been since you your last cut? Ooh, I want to say about six years. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, so it's, oh, it's yeah. been a while. Once the motive behind it changed, because it went from self-harming just to ease the pain to, okay, now I'm thinking suicidal thoughts, and I know if I go deep enough, that'll be enough to do it. I don't want to risk going deep enough. I've always been aware that I had a problem. So once I was aware that the motive behind it changed, I shifted to something that wouldn't instantly just kill me basically because I knew cutting if I cut too deep I can hit a vein and that'll end me right there and I didn't want to risk that and then having anxiety on top of it my depression is like all right I want to kill myself but my anxiety is like no no please don't do that so it's like (laughs) exactly aware so I'm like okay well let me just not perform that action because I don't want to risk it going too far because it was a battle between my depression and my anxiety they were always bumping heads my depression is like, okay, I want to end it. My anxiety is like, but I'm scared to. So I don't know how to without being scared to. So it's like, I just didn't perform the actions that lead to it, basically. Because but how when, do you deal with the overwhelming sensation? How do you deal with your issues now? Now, basically, I just let my emotions happen. If I get overwhelmed and I want to cry, I cry. I don't try to stop crying. Because when I was younger, I always associated that crying because of my emotions were a bad thing. But now it's actually, I realize it's not. It's letting me feel my emotions. I'm not explaining them. I let myself feel them so they can release. So that could be my way of feeling hurt to myself. It's my way of releasing it and letting myself acknowledge my own emotions. 
because as older I realized okay yeah I want everybody to hear me but am I hearing myself because I'll sit there and try to pretend that these emotions are not there try to pretend everything is okay and that was also a way of self-harming because it's like there and they're not going to go away until you acknowledge them so what I do now is just basically anytime I feel a certain way I try to acknowledge it I acknowledge it and let myself feel it and once I feel it it feels a whole lot better even if nobody else hurt me I hurt myself that's what matters to me now that was my next question do you feel like you're being hurt now my parents one of them acknowledged that I do have a problem but that's the one that wasn't really around as much so it's like okay well that's great for you but I still don't feel comfortable coming to you about my problems Instead, I go to my step-parent on that side and I talk with them and they listen. I do have outlets now that I know even if they can't directly help whatever I'm feeling at the moment, it does help to talk to them because they're actually listening and they're actually taking it in and they actually care. Do you still go to therapy? I do not, actually. Instead, I am on medication to help regulate my emotions for when I do get overwhelmed, but even without taking it once things get overwhelmed like I said I just cry it out mm-hmm. try to stay in a positive mindset it's just the medication just helps so it don't be too extreme because my emotions are not just like baby emotions they can be extreme to where I'm like extremely overwhelmed extremely sad and plus it also helps with my anxiety because of my childhood I have like social anxiety mm-hmm I want to do social events, but there's too many people. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start freaking out. So that's basically where my medication helps is to regulate my anxiety and combat that with the emotions that I feel based on. Because as humans, a lot of our actions are based on our emotions. And I recognize that. So that's why I try to let myself feel my emotions and let them pass. That way they don't bottle and I do something irrational. And you don't have to answer this now or you can if you want. Do you feel like therapy helped? And if therapy was offered to you, would you accept it? Oh yeah. You deal with this social anxiety and things like that, because those are things that can be worked on and can help you get better with it and help you understand it to the point where you can minimize the medication. The medication is just, from my understanding, and because I've been on medication myself, it's like, it helps you build your tolerance. Mm-hmm. And once you build your tires, you don't need it anymore. I can actually handle this part by myself. You know, right. where something was weak, now I'm getting stronger at it. So where I can now handle it and I can function without the medication. Right. For a moment in time, I was off of it. Mm-hmm. That's mainly because the last one I had, I didn't like the side effects. So I stopped taking it. Right. The only reason I haven't went back to therapy is because I would like to have the therapist I had when I was younger. And I really don't know how to find him. <laughs> so, but, but you know I, what? I can help you and I will help you find the therapist. Matter of fact, we will pay for you go to therapy if that's what you want. And I'm serious. I um, Tomorrow, I will definitely get on a call and make sure you get the help you need. All right. The only thing is, is that with that, you would have to give them your real information. Okay. So, yes, we would definitely help you with that. And I'm glad you are knowing and because sometimes people don't know they need help mm-hmm. or sometimes people don't know how to ask for help or feel like they're weak because they're asking for help. But I want to let you know that this takes guts 
this takes a lot of bravery to sit here. We don't even have to know your name, but to sit here and explain what you're going through and the trauma and the different directions that your life has taken because of what you went through. This is strength. Mm -hmm. This is truly strength. People may feel like they're weak, but this is strength. And you are one powerful woman because of this. Because think about it. You're going through something mm -hmm. where most times people would have gave up. But now you went through something and now you're telling your story for other teenagers who are going through these type of things to say, hey, we can't get help. You're opening the door because a lot of times this is not talked about on this type of platform. And for you to tell your story and still to admit, say, you know what? I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be, but I'm still fighting. I'm still getting, and that's what found purpose. You're finding that purpose to fight. And that is amazing. And you are a strong woman just because of this, because you are overcoming so much adversity and you're still pulling forward. So yeah. ne I never think that, well, I hope you don't think that you're not strong because you are. In my eyes, you are. Yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg with things I've been through. Because growing up, I've been through a lot in, in my years. And I try to look on the positive outside of it. There's the whole everything happens for a reason, but I try not to think of it that way exactly. I think of it like, okay, well, yes, that happened. There was no reason for that to happen. However, mm -hmm. if it was involving another person, I'm like, well, that's something that karma would handle. And I'm just going to keep pushing forward because I don't want that to change who I am. Because there's two routes you can do with your trauma. You can go through trauma and blame everything in life because of it and not be where you want to be. Or you can take it and say, that's not who I am and overcome it and become something better. So that's what I'm still pushing to do, just become something better and not let it determine who I am because it's not who I am. Things that I've been through is just events that happen in time, but it's not who I am personally. Because it's the thing that makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. And yep, if somebody that's going through this right now, a teenager, 16-year-old teenager, or your 16-year-old self, what advice would you give them? Basically, to trust yourself. Because my biggest thing for me when I was 16 was actually being in love with myself and trusting that I could handle it. You can't look to others to say, okay, they'll take care of this for me. It's all on you. Not for you to have the weight of it, but for you to see it and say, hey, this is nothing. Because I trust in myself. Self-confidence and your self-esteem is what's going to get you through it. The belief that you have in yourself. Because if you don't have belief in yourself, nobody else will. So basically, and, keep fighting for yourself. Mm -hmm. When nobody else is fighting for you, keep fighting for yourself. Exactly. Monique, I want to say thank you. Mm -hmm. I really do appreciate your story. Mm -hmm. I mean what I say. I'll be reaching out to you tomorrow. Okay. okay. And you had a lot more stuff that has happened. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can talk about those things in the future when you feel ready to. But I mm -hmm. really want to say thank you for sitting down with me and talking with me to tell me your story. Mm -hmm. It's great. 
and I thank you. So this is going to end our show. Sure. I want to say you could be damaged, broken, shattered. Everything is fixable. Let's start healing in the spirit and let God do the rest. Thank you, Monique. God bless. Thank you. This has been another episode of Found Purpose. Remember, your spirit is never too broken, shattered, or damaged where it can't be fixed. Put God first and everything is fixable. Let's start healing in the spirit.